Hi, welcome to the Canine Aptitude Podcast, where we give everyday solutions to the everyday dog owner. I'm Emily. And I am Shayna. And today we're talking about boarding trains. Uh, this is so many different facets and so much different information and there's many times that we are asked questions about it and it's just a vast vast topic with so many different pieces so we're going to give you a little bit here they there will be some resources in the notes for this we're just going to touch on a bunch of things for you to think about especially if it's something that you are thinking about um, that might work for your family If you have specific questions, you can let us know via email. So I kind of want to start with what is a board and train. So, and most people know what this is, and it's in the words. It's in the, it's in the name, but doggy boot camp, (laughs) doggy boot camp. That's right. So this is where you would send your dog off to a trainer. So at a facility, this is not done in your home and they train your dog. Typically the amount of time is anywhere between like two weeks and four weeks, Mm -hmm. typically. And then um, at the end of that, they you get your dog back. So they're overnight staying with this trainer for that amount of time where they learn obedience. Most people, when they send their dog away, they're doing it out of frustration. Oh, he needs to go to doggy boot camp, right? So they're already kind of under the impression that their dog is wild and out of control and this place is going to fix everything. It's just going to make them totally in control again. And you don't have to really do anything. You just have to work real hard for a little bit and get some money for it because they are expensive. Yes. I was just about to say that. So they are a lot of money and it's because most people that do it again are, it's their last resort. It's like, okay, I need to do something and I can't do this on my own. So I need that. The only option that people think that they have is board and train. And so they dish out the money. Um, and honestly, from a, from a, like a logical financial standpoint, it should be it should. at least a yeah. hundred dollars a day. And that's cheap. Yeah. So if your dog is there for a month, think about the amount of cost. And then you're also supplying food. You're also buying anything they want you to buy, you know, as far as equipment, tools or whatever goes. So it is not cheap. If you're finding someone who says, yeah, I'll take your dog for $500 and I'll bring them back to you in three weeks. Run, run, (laughs) run, run. Because that dog is going to be out of sight for three weeks for a very, very, very small chunk of change. Right. So chances are that person is not qualified and could be doing very horrid, horrid, abusive things to your dog. And you have to deal with that dog when they come back. Right. You have to deal with the fallout or emotional issues or vet issues or medical issues or whatever. So as far as board and trains go... It is a tough situation in the dog training world because it is so different Yeah, between the two camps. And I talk about the two camps a lot. We haven't really addressed what those camps are. <laughs> um, but if you know, you know. Right. So if you don't, one day. Wink, wink. Yeah, one day we will uh, get into that. So sending dogs away for training has become really popular, especially where we live, because we are in a city where people don't have time or they live in apartments and their dogs have really bad behaviors and they don't know how to address all of them. And they contact a trainer and the trainer says, hey, we have this great option. You could, sure, you could do the training and we could work on it for this amount of time. Or you could just give the dog to us for two weeks right? and and we'll fix it. Right. And there's usually some sort of a guarantee. In our city, there are so many 
places that do board and trains. So, 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 so many. It's out of control. So this is something that is very um, near and dear to us because we're also seeing both sides of this. Yeah. We're seeing dogs that are coming out of those board and trains. We are. And while it sounds great to send away a dog that is acting wild and crazy and they're going to come back with all these great rules, right? There's a lot of things that you need to think about because just like sending a kid away for two weeks to, you know, a a farm to Uncle Joe because Uncle Joe is super strict. Do you think kid is going to come back and have those same behaviors? No. Because the environment didn't change. You didn't change. Right. Uncle Joe can get that behavior, but can you? So there's a lot more things to think about. It's not just the dog just changed in two weeks and now comes back and is a different dog. So here are some different tips that we're going to go over. The first thing is what should it look like? No, yeah. let's let's go back even further. Who should be getting a board and train? Right. Yeah. So what is going to be a viable scenario or situation that a board and train would be either necessary or Because they're not for everyone. And no. I would not recommend it for a lot of families. It's not feasible. It's not logical. It's not realistic. Right. So who do you think should get one? So the people that I've recommended board and trains to have been, uh, in one particular case that I can think of right now, um, two of them actually had health problems that just sporadically came up. So they weren't able to walk the dog. They weren't able to train because they had extenuating circumstances. So they needed help. And it was, uh, I think in both situations, they were fairly young dogs. So just to kind of get the training on the right track. And of course, to give the owner a break because they can't fully take care of the dog in that moment as they were getting better, board and train was an option for them. So I really like that using it for that scenario. The two that the, um, two of the board and trains that I've done were both basically the same reason. They work like where they're gone right. for long, long periods of time, but they want a dog. And I made it abundantly clear that after the board and train, this was the requirement and the commitment that came with the board and train to keep the behaviors, um, to keep the behaviors around right. so that they could make sure that the training would actually stick for yeah. the dog. Long, long, long. Like I'm talking, the one owner was a pilot and he was gone for like a week at a time and the other one was a professional football player and he was gone all the time. That would be a, again, viable for some, but if they're going to continue to be gone all the time, who's going to be watching this dog? Is that realistic where this training is even going to stick or is it just somewhere to send the dog for a period of time and hope that they get trained? Right. Other scenarios where it would be a good option is a household that is just way overwhelmed, a dog that they've had for a long time, they have no interest in rehoming. It can work as long as the dog just gets some of the consistency that they need and the household doesn't afford that right now. But if we get the information in the dog, then we can transfer to the household and they can just change just what they're doing. They don't have to change what they're doing and what the dog is doing. So sometimes if you just give the dog a head start, the humans can jump on board and it's a lot easier for them. Sometimes that can also go horribly wrong because then the owners in the household does not do what they need to do. And then the dog just falls apart and it was a wasted $2,000. Right. So, yeah. So very specific cases that, and I typically don't recommend board trains a ton unless somebody specifically asks for it for a specific reason. So I usually like to have the owners train their own dog. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is because the dog will continually need to be trained. Right. So it's not truly just maintenance. What if you want to teach the dog something else? You still have no knowledge of how to do that. Yeah. So you're going to have to go back and say, hey, can you teach my dog this new trick 
you're still going to have to learn how to teach your dog. So yes, sure, your dog doesn't jump on counters anymore, but what if they start a year from now? What do you do? Yeah. Because you still don't have any knowledge. So that is why I always tend to push people toward training their own dog is because then they have the knowledge. I don't have to be a part of their life forever. I just want to be in and out. I don't want to be there. I don't really want to know you for longer than like a year. I want you to go do your own thing. Sorry for all my lingering clients. But um, I just want them to get the knowledge that's in my head, to be able to do it, to be able to live peacefully, to get the behavior that they want. And then they can just live. They don't need me anymore. They don't have to keep paying me to give them information. They have it themselves. And they have it for the next dog and the next dog and the next dog. Second thing that we need to look at is what should a board and train even look like? Sure. It's not just dropping a dog off in a Walmart parking lot to some dude in a car. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what should it look like? There are a couple of things here, and there could be some that you think of as well. Um, but there, like Shane has mentioned, there should be ongoing training after the board and train. That could mean group classes with this trainer. And that's a part of the package. It right. needs to come with it. Yeah. Like a known thing. Not, oh yeah, well you can do them as an extra add-on. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. needs to be a part of it. Right. Um, additional training afterwards or ongoing training in a group class setting or just support from your trainer to ask any questions that you have or, um, you know, there should be continual training after the board and training. For you. And that's right. on you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on the human, not necessarily the trainer, but there should be options, I guess, open for that human. Um, there shouldn't be a trainer that just like disconnects from the owner completely after the board and train and never talks to the game. That's a red flag, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so ongoing training, a training plan, resources, a, a, a good board and train is going to give you tons and tons of stuff to take home with you, whether that's videos, handouts, um, whatever they worked on in the board I and mean, train. They want you to see how they trained the dog. They yeah, want you to see the process and, and, and how great the dog is doing over time. Yeah. Rather than you drop them off and you don't hear from them. Right. And you don't get a training plan and you don't get any resources. Something that seems very black hole. I don't really know what my dog's doing today. Ugh. That's not, you want to know, you want to have ample emails of exactly what they're doing and when they're doing it and how they're doing it. Field trips, getting outside. So not staying inside in a kennel or um, in a building all day long. They, They should be going out and doing natural dog stuff, not just being in a crate and then coming out and training for 20 minutes and then going back in a crate. Like there should be continuing, they should be getting their needs met as well. Right. As a Then your updates should include that too. Yeah. So, so it shouldn't just be in a shopping mall. It shouldn't just be in the, in the facility. It should be, hey, we had a great session and now this is what we're doing in the field. Right. So it should be well-rounded. And they should be showing you that they are well-rounded, that they're giving your dog all of these enrichment needs and training needs and mental health breaks and love and affection. And here, look at the cozy bed that they're sleeping in right now, rather than it's just crate, train, crate, train, crate, train, some play. You also want a board and train that is using a rewards-based system. So using what motivates your dog to get behaviors that they want or what you want. Mm-hmm. And this is mainly because that is how creatures learn best. So we learn best by getting told that we're doing the right thing, right? Having control of our environment, right? being able to make choices. Yeah. 
If it's mainly focused on how they're correcting your dog or how they're going to punish your dog or giving your dog consequences, um, that's not the type of mentality that you want. You want somebody to be excited about helping your dog overcome whatever they're dealing with as far as behaviors go, and then using a motivator to do that or several motivators to do that. Certifications. <laughs> so like Shada said, the, the guy in the parking lot at Walmart, do not give your dog to that person. Um, you should also be not give your dog to a person that may run their business out of their home and ha- doesn't have any certifications at all. And the certifications that we're talking about can be from the CPDT. It can be from PPG. It can be from KPA. There's a lot of letters out there. And we can put a couple of examples down in the show notes for you so you have an idea. And you can um, also look at the ethics of those specific certifications too, because there's a lot of places that will run their own certifications. So it'll just be some random business that says, hey, I think I'm going to take on some interns and I'm going to give them some letters at the end of their name. And now it looks like they're certified. But really there was no real certification other than just their training that they went through in that one particular program. Right. So there is no, in the dog training world, there is no standardized code of ethics, nor any required certification or testing for being a dog trainer, which leads to underqualified people taking in dogs and then taking advantage of the fact that no one is watching them. So this can be any Joe Schmo down the street that just has a bunch of dogs in his house and says, yeah, sure, I'll take them for a couple weeks, $2,500, and then I'll give them back to you and training them however he sees fit. And the stories that I have heard that I will not share here, but you can feel free to message me about if you would like to, are absolutely horrid. They range from just bad training, just really bad, really don't doesn't make sense to absolutely need to call somebody animal abuse. Yeah. And then I've heard ones that aren't so bad, you know, and, and the dog comes back and things are seemingly okay. And, you know, the owner never really knows what, what happened, but dog seems okay. So couldn't have been that bad, right? But that's kind of a, a dicey line to, to live on where couldn't have been that bad. Right. <laughs> so um, you really want to make sure that you do your research because anyone can be calling themselves a dog trainer and take your thousands of dollars and go and abuse your dog. Right. That can essentially happen. And so that's what we're trying to prevent is that you are fully aware of exactly what they are going to do to your dog with your dog for that period of time. And that they're making sure that they are watching not only their behavioral health, but their mental health and emotional health as well. Yep. And medical health because... I have lots and lots of board and train stories where the dog needed medical care after they came back. So Hierarchy of dog needs. (laughs) Go listen to that podcast. So, And you are your dog's advocate, not the trainer. I know you probably feel like the dog trainer is this authority figure, but you need to be the authority figure on your dog. And you're the one putting that money in. Exactly. You need to be the one that makes the decisions. And you ask the hard questions because... It's an interview. You're paying them for a service. And if they're not giving you the service that you want in the exact way you want it, feel free to say, nope, pulling the rug out from underneath this. We're not doing it. Another thing that I look for in board and trains is that they have ample amounts of videos, like before and after videos or during training videos. And in those videos, what you can do as an owner when you're doing your research is watching body language. And not edited videos. Some of them are really good about editing all sorts of things. So it looks like the dog is on a perfect heel, but really it was like five seconds long of a heel. And then it 
clipped to something where the dog was like catching a frisbee. Like that's very marketing based yeah. videos. I want an actual training session video. Yeah. I want a five minute session of you just training the dog in repetitions in lows. Right. That's what an owner needs to see because guess who has to go home and mimic that when the dog comes home? Mm-hmm. The owner. So the owner needs to know what it looks like to actually train a dog in those circumstances, not this like showy, flashy drone footage. Right. <laughs> And you can assess, you can tell whether or not a dog is enjoying the board and train by looking and assessing the body language of the dog in the after video. And of course, the during video as well. Definitely take a look at that. And if you need help, if you need eyes on it, ask a trainer or you can, we love watching videos, so Mm -hmm. you can send it to us too. (laughs) I mean, imagine like sending your kid to school and you, you get a picture or a video or like daycare sometimes have like those, you know, footage and stuff that you can like check in online. And your kid looks miserable. Right. And their body language is clearly not happy. You're immediately going to think, I got to pull my kid out of there. Yeah. I can't let them sit there for hours and be that miserable and unhappy. Same thing goes for your dog. Yeah. Like a daycare, just like a board and train, can build boundaries without needing to make your dog miserable or unhappy or sad or scared or any of those things. Um, Another one is transparency. If they can't tell you exactly how they plan to train... Chances are they're either being shady and hiding things or they don't want to tell you because they're afraid you're not going to choose them. Right. If they tell you. So if they say, yeah, Yeah. they say like things like, well, it's very individualized for your dog and it's just whatever we feel like the dog needs in the moment because every dog learns differently. No dog is the same. Okay. Now I want you to actually tell me. Right. (laughs) Because that. Thank you for the bullshit. (laughs) Now please tell me. How you fucking train. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Because they all have a method. Yeah. And they're going, they know exactly what they're going to do with every single board and train. Now, some dogs, of course, are going to come in differently than other dogs. Some dogs are going to be afraid. Some dogs are not. Some dogs are going to be super aggressive when they come in. You know, each dog starts at a different spot, but they all have the same idea in their head of how this board and train is going to look. And they need to share that with you. Yeah straight up so if they if you call and you can't get specifics of exactly what's going to happen that's when you say "Eh, i'll go somewhere else so what questions do you ask i have some for you and where is this from what you're reading off of? oh this is from a website called peachonaleash.com peach like the fruit on a leash.com so it says ask the right questions how and when will my dog be confined Question that most owners wouldn't think to ask. I've heard stories of dogs being kenneled for 23 hours a day and brought out for one hour to train and put back in their kennel for 23 hours a day. Um, Also, where they put them in darkness for that 23 hours. Oh, my God. Also, where they only come in when they're barking and then they bang on the crate to make the dog stop barking in that crate. And guess what? Those dogs come home and they might be trained, but now they have severe crate fear. Right. So you need to know how long they're going to be confined because if they say, oh, well, you know, overnight it's about, I don't know, like 12, 14 hours. And then we come in in the morning automatically. I'm going to say, nope, yeah. I'm not letting my dog be crated at overnight for 12 hours. That's unacceptable to me. Personally, that's unacceptable to me. So you need to make those decisions. And again, you need details for that. Yeah. They are out of your sight. They need to be telling you this information. This should not be hidden. This should be blatantly on their website for exactly how this goes. Um, another question, how many dogs do you take at a time? Oh, they're, God. First of all, board and train is very time intensive. Yeah. So there should be like no more, like absolute max 
of three board and trains if you are working them properly throughout the day because most board and trains also have their own dogs to take care of. Yep. So if they have two dogs, three dogs, that's six dogs they're taking care of every day. How is your dog getting any individualized care mm-hmm. in that period of time? So if they say, oh, well, you know, I also do this and I also do doggy daycare on top of that. So I have some dogs that come and go, but they're great for training because then I can get a, a different dog every day. Shh, run away. Just run. <laughs> Just what happens when my dog gets it right? Their answer should say the dog is rewarded with something valuable that they enjoy. It shouldn't just be that the dog isn't corrected. That's right. not a reward. That's not a reward. <laughs> or my dog gets a pat on the head or a happy voice. Yeah. We don't use food. We just use praise. The dog should right. work for us. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, what happens when my dog gets it wrong? The correct answer should be that the reward or desired outcome is withheld or the dog doesn't get what he wants. So if the dog is pulling towards something, the dog doesn't get that thing. That is a consequence. And this is where they will get a little bit shady. And this is where it gets a little bit confusing because you probably don't know the right questions to ask. Ask them straight up if they use corrective collars. And if that's something that you want, make sure that that they're answering in a way that you want. So if you are okay with that, if you're okay with a bark collar, if you're okay with knee collar or whatever, just make sure that they are in line with what you want. A lot of places will just use tools. Right. And they're not going to ask you ahead of time. Your dog is just going to come home on them. So, and you're paying for that. And I have specific clients that ask not to have those tools put on their dog and they come home with them anyway. Or they see them in training videos that, whoops, didn't realize that that collar was on them. Sorry. Yep. So make sure that you, again, transparency. Do you require vaccine records for the dogs in your care? So making sure that, that everybody's up to date, that everything is safe as far as medical needs go. And actually making sure that the board and train is actually legal to take on dogs. In North Carolina, you have to have a kennel license to do so. So probably 90% of the board and trains are actually operating illegally because they're not even legal to take in your dog because that means if they, I think the rule is that if you care for a dog for three days or more, they're legally yours or something that there's there's a weird rule. And so if you don't have a kennel license, basically you're operating illegally and you can be fined very heavily for that. And the kennel licenses here are pretty strict as far as like what you need to have. Well, because it hits into department of agriculture. Like it's not even animal control. It's not even addressed through them. It's the department of agriculture, which is why a lot of facilities won't do board and trains is because they don't have that license. So they are being legal. That guy that um, is on like next door that just says, yeah, I'll take in your dog. Any issue, aggression, I can cure it. And he just brings him into his apartment for three weeks. Yeah, he's operating illegally. And if he's going to be illegal in that realm, chances are he's probably going to do other things that you don't like as well. Right. So just make sure that they're making good choices all the way around and making sure that everything's legal. Right. Kind of rule of thumb, too. Like, if you're sending your dog off to a board and train that is in a home you definitely need to check a kennel license. If it's a boarding facility, most likely, not all of them here, but most likely they're going to have a kennel license because they have a building. But if it's a home environment, you need to get documentation of that that kennel license. And most people are are wooed by that because they would rather their dog be in a home situation. You know, it sounds like they're going to be sleeping on a couch rather than on a hard, you know, vet kennel floor, but that's not good enough because you never know what's going on in their home. I wouldn't send my child to somebody's home without being able to see the inside of it. So can you do a tour? Yeah. If they are weirded out by you saying, can I come and see the inside of my home where my dog is going to be staying for two weeks? And they're like, oh, um, 
I, I mean, I guess. Okay, okay. Okay, that number no. one. <laughs> that, that, again, transparency. And then training qualifications, which we talked about. And then that you can check in on your dog's progress at any time you want to and get any type of, of update that you feel you need to. A lot of people that have done board and trains in the past had no idea what was going on. When they contacted the trainer, it was very brief or, oh, he's doing great. Here's a picture of him. Yeah. And his face. Here we go. And that was it. And you can't really tell anything from that. So get videos and get videos often or only allow your dog to go to a place that has video cameras installed. Yeah. So you can check in whenever you want and you can see exactly what's going on. And any disclaimer where a trainer is saying, I'm going to guarantee that your dog is going to be fixed after, after this board and train. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 100%. Yeah. Guaranteed. That should not be on a trainer's website. And the reason for that is because we are working with living, breathing beings. Okay. We cannot, we are not magical people that can just cure aggression. That's something that's always going to be innate. And you can go check out our other podcast. I think it was podcast number three about that. (laughs) So one, one of the ways that they will try to do that is they will, they will make a dog so fearful of doing a certain behavior that the dog will never try it again. Right. So very similar to the way that they do snake avoidance training. They make the dog so incredibly internally traumatized from that particular thing that the dog will never, ever, 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 ever try it again. And think about that from an actual emotional health, mental health standpoint for your dog, especially if that issue is counters or kitchens or jumping on people or um, barking at dogs or barking at windows or whatever. So if they are making guarantees, chances are they're using less than humane methods on the dogs. Yep. Something else that a board and train can't do is make your puppy stop being a puppy. They, yeah. they can't do it, no matter what the shouldn't. methods are. Right. <laughs> right. The puppy's a puppy because that's the age of the dog right now, and it's developmentally appropriate to act like a puppy and to do puppy things. Can they give the dog a great foundation? Absolutely. Can they also severely hurt your dog's foundation? Absolutely. So you need to be very cautious about, again, what this facility, what this person plans to do with your dog. Because you're the one that has to live with it. You're the one that has to deal with it. One of the worst board and train cases that I had, the dog went as a four-month-old puppy. And it was an aversive complex for sure. They just did it on all dogs. That was just what they did. It was very aversive. It was prong and e-collar. And when the dog came back, still had a bunch of issues. She called the trainer. The trainer would come out. They would do another session. They did this over and over again. After the fourth time she called the trainer, the trainer came with a second collar and said that he could connect it to the same device. So because he had jacked up the first one as high as it would go. And so they said, well, we'll just do two then because we're not getting the results we need from the first one. And she said that's when her brain went, wait a second. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Now, I would have went, wait a second, a long time ago. But that's (laughs) the moment that that owner who had previously thought that the dog trainer knew everything, it was an authority figure. Right. That she said, whoa, do you actually know what you're doing? You're going to use a second one? What? That doesn't even make any sense. And of course, the dog was perfect when the trainer was there. It was when the trainer left that everything would fall apart. Things that you should be looking for into a board and chain. So we kind of touched on this, but I want to kind of wrap it up into a nice little package for you is you should be looking for dogs that look happy, 
that they felt like they went to camp for two weeks and they come home rejuvenated and excited and happy to see you and some more good behaviors attached to that. Yeah. yeah, And like enjoying their life. Like think about the difference between a kid who comes back from a scared straight program and a kid that comes back from two weeks at the best summer camp ever. Yeah. That's the difference. You want them feeling empowered that these are awesome new behaviors and they can't wait to show them to you and they can't wait to do them for you. And you're excited for the dog trainer to come and do your transfer lessons. And you're excited to go to group classes and and practice these things rather than feeling like, "Ah, I just hope it, I just hope this stays. I hope this honeymoon period is kind of hangs around for a while. I like this dog, but I don't really know what to do if he does something wrong because I don't want to push the button. Or I don't really want to do the leash correction. That was okay for them, but I don't really want to do it. Right. And if you're uncomfortable doing those things, you don't have to do them, right? Even if you did the board and train, maybe you did it and you're like, yeah, I'll try it out and see what it, and then you get the, you get that, all that stuff back and you understand like how it works and you're taught and you just like, you know what? This is really just not for me. That's fine. Contact another trainer that does different methods like we we have other things that we can do to teach your dog those same behaviors but you without using those tools Mm -hmm. so you have other options because many times and the reason that we're kind of hitting on this hard is because many times board and trains are going to use those tools to get compliance so that the behaviors will stick for the owners whereas a facility or a person who doesn't use those collars are going to say i've built the foundation and now it's up to you to keep it around so they're putting all of that back on the human whereas a facility that uses collars is saying no i built this into the dog yeah you have to maintain it but you don't really have to do anything right you just have to do these things these couple things here and there so that's the difference and in where we live it's very prevalent they're boarding trains everywhere because nobody has time and everybody has a reactive dog because there's so many dogs slammed into one area everywhere you go and then nobody knows how to handle it so everybody's out of their league and everybody says just somebody fix it so you can make a killing and unfortunately that also takes advantage of a lot of people yep and let's say that you're listening to this and you've already sent your dog away to a board and train. Let's say that you've already done um, something and you, you had those red flags and maybe we touched on a couple of those and you're like, oh man, like, yeah, I felt like that. Or, oh yeah, that did happen. Or, oh yeah, my trainer never contacted me ever again for ongoing sessions or anything like that. Again, that is not something that is of fault to you. And especially like if you also have a dog that came back fearful, scared, afraid, or even aggressive, reactive, whatever it may be. Um, and I've worked with a lot of those, unfortunately. That is not something to blame yourself for. No, there's such a guilt factor yeah, somehow that the owners are feeling. Right. This this podcast, this episode is to give you the people that are thinking about warden trains on what to do and what, what to ask before doing it. Those of you that have already done it, don't blame yourself. You didn't have this information. If you had the information, then maybe you wouldn't have gone with that trainer. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. But I will say, if you are one of those people... Say something about it. Don't be quiet. Stand up. Write a review. Contact that trainer and say, hey, I think, you know, that board and train we did a couple weeks ago. I just, I'm not 100% like uh, satisfied with it. Can we talk about it on the phone or can we do another lesson or whatever it may be just to kind of get back into it and, and kind of figure out what went wrong and then decide from there what to do as far as trying a different trainer or writing a review or continue with that trainer, whatever it may be. There's also an in-between option that I think people don't really know exists in day training. Yeah. Where a trainer can come in and train your dog. So they're still getting hands-on trainer help without you there, 
but it's not a sleep away situation. It's not them out of your sight. And usually if you're doing day training, the owner is going or the trainer is going to be very, very upfront in exactly what they're doing with your dog. They're going to give you homework on top of that. So they're going to say, hey, here's what I did. Now you need to practice it too for the next three days till I come back and they slide that paper to you. It's now your responsibility. So it's a 50-50 type thing, but the dog is getting faster results because they're working with somebody who knows what they're doing rather than a green owner who has no idea what they're doing. Right. So board and train again can be great. And I'm sure that there's lots of dogs who were treated fairly harshly or in less than desirable circumstances that came back and people sing the praises. Oh my God, my dog is beautiful. He walks perfectly on leash. It's amazing. Oh, he's so calm now. He was a lunatic before, but now all I have to do is say place. And he just goes there and lays there for hours. Be aware of the difference between calm and shut down, number yeah. one. And number two, again, have an idea about body language. There's a lot of people who think that a happy dog or a stressed dog is actually a happy dog. Right. They look at the face and say, oh, look how happy my dog is. Look how great that big smile is. And I look at that and say, yikes, Yeah, that dog is super stressed out. Look how tense the body is. Wow, you can see every ripple of muscle in that body. Wow, look at those eyes. Look at those ears. How does the trainer not see that? So if you have a good idea of body language, chances are you are probably going to be light years ahead just by looking at the website and videos of the trainer. And references. Ask a trainer. A trainer should be glad to give you references. Yeah. Of exactly of owners that you can ask the real questions. If you're afraid to ask the trainer the questions, you're probably not going to be so afraid of texting questions to a reference to some random person that they gave you. I hope this helps as far as navigating whether or not you'd like to do a board and train. And if you like the podcast, we do have little ratings that we love to get. And um, we would love to get a five-star review. It helps people find the podcast and see it and that it's getting good feedback and people like it and more people listen to it. And that's our main goal is providing this information to everyone. And until next time, happy training. Bye.